Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Let's talk to our good friend, uh, Professor Christian Luprecht uh, from uh, Queen's University and from the Royal Military College. He's an international expert on security and defense. I have no idea how one man accomplishes as much as Dr. Luprecht has accomplished and is accomplishing in a lifetime. You make uh, Christian, you make me feel like I've never done a damn thing in my life. Well, we each have talents, you know, and I think we're all in this together as a team and everybody brings something to it. And, uh, you know, I've been lucky to be given an opportunity to think about things. And, you know, there's many smart listeners out there who maybe don't have quite that privilege, but your show affords us an opportunity to have an intelligent conversation among yourself, myself, and and with the listeners. So we appreciate the opportunity to raise the level of informed discussion as you showed us so nicely. Well, thank you. And I do appreciate everything that you do and everything you bring to the program and to Canada and Canadians with your international knowledge and expertise. It's amazing. Now, I wanted, you wrote, co-wrote an op-ed uh, in uh, the Toronto Star, ran today, and it's, uh, should Canada leave NATO? Now, I was under the impression that NATO was sacrosanct and that it uh, protects freedoms and human rights from assault by oppressive regimes. And that's that's the way I've that's the way I've been brought up to think and believe and view NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. Not quite that way, you tell us. Yeah, there's a lot of skeptics out there, right? So with the disappearance of the Soviet Union, there's voices out there who say, you know, we don't need the alliance anymore. Uh, I would say if you look at what revisionist and hegemonic foreign policy Russia pursues and how it threatens our partners, our allies, our prosperity, our democracy, our sovereignty, um, and the rule of law, you know, I would say that um, the, the challenges that, uh, that Russia and other authoritarian regimes embody suggest that, unfortunately, our way of life continues to need to be defended and needs to be defended every, way, every day. Um, and NATO is the most enduring, most powerful military alliance the world has ever known. Um, and the fact that it has survived the Soviet Union and the fact that it has survived since 1949 um, and that no one has ever left this alliance and that so many places would like, so many countries would like to join suggests that there is substantial value um, in uh, collective defense and in particular in defending um, the certain set of, uh, of values and the way of life that we believe in and that we believe is a superior uh, way of arranging our societies um, than what um, tyrants and non-state actors uh, that have very different ideas about how to run the world and how to run their own societies would believe in. Yeah, there, there's, a, there's a line of thinking, and it's subscribed to by many people, and it always surprises me, that NATO is simply um, an arm of the military-industrial complex in the United States, more specifically Lockheed Martin. Yeah, look, I mean, we can always find excuses about why we shouldn't spend any money on defense. And, I mean, that's a, 
Um, but, you know, that's a valid argument to make. Every dollar we spend on defense is money that we don't have for education, for health care, for other entitlement programs. But look, NATO affords us a substantial discount on our defense. Um, if you compare what uh, countries and democracies spend on defense who are not part of NATO, it turns out that they spend substantially more. Uh, if you look at the Asia-Pacific, for instance, and you look at our democratic partners in the Asia-Pacific, Japan, South Korea, um, Australia, Singapore, uh, precisely because they don't have the opportunity to pool resources and to act in concert uh, the way we do. So in terms of asserting our interest, while at the same time getting the best bang for our buck, um, an alliance affords us considerable opportunity. And it also affords us the opportunity of working together with the most powerful um, member of that alliance, the United States, that arguably sits at the top of the international security pyramid. And why would you want to be part of an alliance? Not just to be able to take advantage of the superior deterrence capacity that the United States and its intelligence and military system brings to bear, but also so that we can influence their decision-making. If you're not part of an alliance, it means you have to simply live with others' decision-making. If you're part of an alliance, it means you at least have some leverage over the decision-making and the rationale that, uh, um, that others apply here. Um, precisely because the others will want you usually to join because together you'll be more effectively. And ultimately, the alliance, you know, people think of it as a military alliance. But first and foremost, it's a political alliance. It's an alliance of countries that think alike and that send a clear message to our adversaries that we're in this together. And if you're taking it on with one of us, you're taking it on with all of us. Yeah. So let's talk a bit. uh, Please share with us what Canada's contribution is, because we are constantly reminded that Canada needs to provide more, bring more to the table. Certainly the Americans tell us that on a regular basis. We are looking at purchasing uh, 88 new fighter jets, as you point out in the in the op-ed, at a cost of some, what is it, $30, $30 billion? Is that, that's the number, right? $30 billion? Is that it? Well, that's presumably sort of what it might come in at, but ultimately we don't know until we negotiate. Right. Um, and we need to think about what the defense of our values in a dangerous world uh, is uh, is worth. Yeah, no, I mean it makes it makes sense, doesn't it, that uh, to to spend the money? It's nineteen billion, it says in your in your column, and fifteen uh, new warships at seventy seven billion dollars. So Canada does contribute one point four percent of GDP. But think about these, you know, we amortize these over 30, 40 years. So right. it's not like yeah, it's true. sort of a one-time outlay. True, yeah. So this is, a, uh, this is an amortized amount. And if you think about, you know, defense is like an insurance premium. It's a premium to be able to deter others from implementing strategies that are fundamentally against our interests and fundamentally would harm our security, our prosperity, our sovereignty, um, and, our, um, and our ability to assert our policy priorities. And so... We need to think about in a dangerous world, what premium are we prepared to pay to that effect? And it suggests that as this world gets more dangerous, both in terms of international stability, as Russia and China develop hypersonic weapons that are very threatening to the continent here, and also as we have you know, more forest fires, floods, vaccine rollouts, uh, these types of capacities, that um, you know, this is an institution that I think is fundamentally integral uh, to democracy, and democracies, as a proportion of their GDP, spend the least of any society. And so it suggests that democracy um, is actually the best way to capitalize on your sort of social outlays, minimizing your uh, expenses on defense, while at the same time, if you pool your resources, 
um, you can send a very powerful signal that uh, it's not in your interest to uh, to take it to to get in a confrontation with us. Yeah, I'm I'm trying very hard to play devil's advocate, but I can't. I can't do it because I'm a big supporter of NATO. So, uh, and I really believe that. Look, if we don't if we don't look after our own defense, you know, the the other guys, uh, as Ronald Reagan called them, the evil empire. The other guys are not going to back off. If they sense weakness, they'll exploit it. And that's ultimately, I think, what uh, people miss, that we live in a world where there's a contestation uh, by our adversaries that spans the full spectrum of political challenges, economic challenges, diplomatic challenges, military challenges, and we're in a permanent conflict under the thresholds of conventional war, of Article 5 of NATO. Um, very much in sort of an almost anarchic environment where um, Russia, China, to a lesser extent, Iran and North Korea are permanently and constantly uh, going after us and every, any vulnerability that we have. And one of the ways that we keep them in line by sending a clear signal in terms of deterrence, deterrence by denial, so to make it impossible for them to achieve their objectives through aggression, right. but also the deterrence by punishment, that we have the capacity to hit back. And so that's why you better think twice. Uh, about whether you're going to hit us and how you're going to hit us. So I just received an email from Bob to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com, and he writes, if the Red Baron can fly it, it's time to replace it. <laughs> I don't know. Just, well, uh, a lot of our equipment how safe is it for you to drive around in a car that's 40 or 50 years old? And yeah. so we need to think about that technology and the challenges um, in terms of conflict have evolved substantially. Yeah. Um, and uh, having, you know, for our men and women in uniform, making sure that we have the best equipment to keep them safe in a difficult job is integral. Absolutely. And if the planes are older than their pilots, that's not a good thing. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.